0: you've attended council hearings in person you've tuned in to our televised proceedings on channel 13 now you have the chance to listen to us on the radio as we demystify the work of the people who do it this is not a council hearing this is hearing the council with your host josh gibson thank you deep voiced person with a funky backbeat indeed this is not a council hearing this is hearing the council You can't have a government without a council, so you can't have a government radio station without a council show. This is it. We're coming to you from the headquarters of the Office of Cable TV, Film, Music, and Entertainment, which is also the historic headquarters of Black Entertainment Television. So it's an honor to be here. Dearly beloved, we're still gathered here today to celebrate this thing called the council. I'm Josh Gibson, director of communications for the council. You may also know me as the council's voice on social media at Council of DC. If you don't follow us already, please do so immediately. Here at the Council, our communications goal is to engage with residents in an informative, conversational, and sometimes even enjoyable way. You know if you follow us on Twitter, we're believers in the Mary Poppins School of Communications. A spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. We want to make it easy for average residents to understand what the Council does. We're demystifying our work and the people who do it. Remember, the D.C. Council's just like your workplace, except with a dais. On the show, we'll try to keep things light, offbeat, informal, and, and interesting. You'll learn about policy, learn about people, learn about history, and learn about the institution. Now, listeners, we recently wrapped up our first round of 13 interviews with the 13 council members. They're available for you to listen to on SoundCloud and iTunes. Those focus mainly, mainly on getting to know the council members, their backgrounds and biographies. Now in our second round, we're gonna focus more on life at the council itself. Experiences, council members' learning curves, surprises, ups and downs, that kind of thing. So now, for the first time ever on this show, let me utter these words. Welcome back. Welcome back, Councilmember Member Nadeau. Well,
1: thank you,
0: Josh. Uh, representing Ward 1 you were our inaugural guest in round one and the inaugural guest in round two and of course what this called to mind was the first guest on david letterman's late late night and on the late show was bill murray so you are bill murray to my david letterman
1: that's amazing it's funny you should mention that because just yesterday uh i was in my office and i made a uh, bill murray reference
0: which which one was that, if it's not inappropriate, or particularly if it is inappropriate?
1: What about Bob?
0: Oh, okay. Do you remember that one? I have not. I'm familiar that the movie exists, but I have not seen it.
1: Well, I would recommend it. Okay. Um, I'd have to double-check whether it is age-appropriate for your daughter. But okay. it's definitely age-appropriate for your wife.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Understood. <laughs> now, so since we're stepping away from the, the sort of the biographical here... We're gonna focus a bit more in on anecdotes, on times at the council, and we, we are gonna have you be, become storyteller. And what we're focusing on are, um, why don't you start us off with an easy one. What do you think is your greatest victory so far as a council member, your biggest win?
1: So I thought you might ask that, and I just, it, it wasn't an easy, it's not an easy one for me to think of. But you know, so I'll tell you this, There are these big things that we do as council members, but a lot of times the things that I remember most are what seem smaller but are very important to the person that we helped. So I was thinking um, recently about this resident who had been homeless for many years and finally got a voucher. And he came to me and said, I want to live in Ward 1. I want you to be my council member, which obviously was an honor to me. But I'm having trouble cutting through the red tape at the housing authority. And uh, we worked with him and we got his housing inspection done. And now he is a proud Ward 1 resident. And it's those things where I find myself doing the victory dance around the office, even more so than the major budget victories or the major legislative victories.
0: How does uh, someone like that come into your world? Is this a, a walk-in? Is this someone you met at a community event?
1: This is someone I came to know through my work on the Human Services Committee, but also out in, in community. And um, he uh, had approached me at one point at, a, at an event, might have even been Adams Morgan Day actually, um, and knew that I had been working on homelessness. Um, and he's actually an entrepreneur. Um, and so we had a really great conversation about the business that he wanted to start. And at that time he was still on the wait list. So I got to sort of work with him on his journey.
0: And, and from your experiences hearing from other folks, is this the, the light at the end of the tunnel or is this just another hurdle along the way of a challenging uh, journey?
1: For him, uh, a person who was able to live independently, um, this is, this is the end. This is, uh, this is the victory. Um, He now is stably housed, he's reunited with his children, um, and he is uh, now beginning to really um, think about the next steps with his own business, which is really exciting for him because it's been a dream of his for a long time, but it's hard to even think about when you don't know where you're going to live.
0: Right. If you're going to dream big dreams, you need a place to lay down your head at the end of the day. To, 100% uh
1: 100% correct.
0: To focus. Yeah. Oh, and uh, by the way, listeners, uh, first show, the second round, so we're, we're learning as we go. I meant to say, unlike the first round, where questions were entirely a surprise to the council members, this time we are sharing some questions in advance, because what we want to do is avoid, uh, not that we will necessarily entirely, uh, right, council member? But Awkward silences. Awkward silences. <laughs> uh, but we don't want to say, so what was your most fabulous moment on the council? And then have 60 seconds of dead air, or have the council member on the ride back to the Wilson building be like oh I wish I told that story so that and,
1: might still happen yeah, yeah so it may still
0: it may still We're happen. in the
1: middle of budget season my brain is a little <laughs> fried
0: um so anyway so uh the, the council members uh, may may uh, have seen these questions in advance but it's uh, in the interest of having a more interesting show so Disclaimer, uh, finished.
1: And now if we're not interesting, then I don't know whose fault it is. Right,
0: right. You can tell it's still not scripted, even if the questions were shared. <laughs> well, and advance.
1: and here's the other thing in your intro. So now my brain's got either Prince or Julie Andrews going back and forth because I've got, you know, like the two songs that you queued up in my head. So...
0: Yes. I'm, I'm going to have
1: to figure out how to deal with that the rest of the interview.
0: If, if I had a really dedicated groupie, which I don't as far as I know, they would keep track of all of the cultural references that are used on the Twitter feed or in the radio show because there's kind of those two. There was, uh, I'm trying to think, Red Hot Chili Peppers recently, uh, He Man. If
1: cartoon. you don't have a Twitter groupie that you want to, de- to delegate this to, I might have one you could borrow. Okay, but we'll we can talk about that later.
0: Yeah, you, okay. we'll draw up the transfer papers. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So, so we had a, we had a happy dance, um, but what what is a what is a sad dance? What's something that with the the many many manifest powers of, of being a member of the council of the District of Columbia, some uh, something that you haven't been able to do, or someone you haven't been able to help. Uh,
1: so, um, I think the most recent thing that was sad for me. Um, was a vote where I was uh, sort of trying to lead the opposition to believe it or not to protect some rights that I felt were important Um, uh, the council recently voted to end um, single family topa rights meaning the the right of uh, an existing tenant um, to have the first opportunity to purchase Um, and I'd been working on a compromise bill that I had um, introduced and it just it didn't get included in the, the final bill. And so I had worked uh, to try to persuade my colleagues and I got two of them with me, but it was a pretty uh, um, decisive defeat, I would say. And I think I, I, I knew it was coming, but I still really had felt so, so uh, passionate about my side of things that it was it was sad. it was, it was a you know disappointment.
0: Well, what were, the, what were the lessons learned for the next time you find yourself uh, staring down a, a two to 11, a potential two to 11, <laughs> um, to, to turn things around? Are you gonna bring a, a big box of donuts, or generally that's what turns you know, people around?
1: I feel like votes for donuts are something that we've tried to move away from in this era of good government, but I, but I will say this. I think it is um, always important for the public to understand how influential their voices are. And what we saw um, in this dialogue was that um, the voices on one side showed up in full force to the hearing and the voices on the other side showed up a little bit and sort of realized as the bill moved forward that uh, they should have maybe shown up more loudly and then tried to go after the fact to each office and, and make that persuasion. But at that point, I think the train had left the station. Um, so I think it was honestly a les- lesson in civics, right? Because there's only so much one council member, one ward council member especially, can do to influence um, the other 12 um, because each of us is always waiting to hear from the public.
0: Right, and I think another lesson that we learn is that uh, the- Legislation is iterative that, you know, uh, something like um, equal marriage rights started out with a fight over trying to, an unsuccessful fight to repeal the anti-sodomy law decades ago. and. Sometimes it's just society keeps moving and every you know, year or two you try again on an issue and sometimes opinions change, sometimes they don't.
1: That's right, no, that's right. And I think that, that's a, it's a perfect description of what happened is we've been having this conversation about Topa forever, it seems, um, and pieces of it took hold, um, but in my mind, more than needed to. So we could have, in my mind, was trying, I was trying to come up with a lighter touch. If that makes sense
0: okay speaking of a lighter touch um oh and by the way if if um donuts for votes doesn't work yeah um, there's always bagels it's a bag a joke you get it well you know when i
1: was in high school running for student council which we should talk about because some people think the dc council and the student council are the same thing
0: yes that's I, a joke but i may or may not have read something about
1: that <laughs> uh when i was running for student council back in high school i tried lollipops but it didn't work
0: I um, had a classmate running for student government, and uh, and I think this is there's no problem disclosing this. Um, the woman who ran, her last name was Zagnut. Yeah. She gave out Zagnut bars. Oh, which that's is that's really clever. A pretty obscure candy item, but
1: it is if you can find it though, and it works. I mean, look, your name's on the ballot, your name's on the candy.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally.
1: I mean, we did the um, the slogan, Brianna Doe's the way to go, which works if you know how to pronounce my name.
0: Right And how many council members are we up to now on that uh, correct pronunciation category? I mean you know, I don't think, have to
1: name names? No, I think I think we've probably got a solid five.
0: A solid five. Excellent. That's <laughs> it's progress.
1: Well we did send around a memo with phonetics, but we were we were we were made fun of.
0: and we're 13 or 13 on Breanne, though, right I,
1: mm, I have to think about that.
0: Gotcha. <laughs> that makes that's you know it's good to know. but yeah
1: and then there's the the age old, you know when you're circulating your bill, how you've written your colleague's name on it, right? So I like to use my middle initial. Not everybody realizes, but now maybe that I've said it on the radio.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, what is it with middle initials? Because I, I have a, a, it's a bias, it's a pet peeve that that I think people that frequently use their middle initials, I don't get it. Hmm. I assign, I assign odd motives and personality traits to that.
1: There may be. But I walk don't... me
0: through it. Why it's important? Is well, it? Is it a, you know, family name? Is it a, a you know.
1: Indeed, it is. So my mother kept her own last name when she got married to my father, Mm -hmm. and she gave each of us her last name as our middle. So my full name is Brienne Krueger Nadeau, and the K is an homage to my mother.
0: Gotcha. Okay, now I feel terrible about. uh, You
1: should. You should probably feel terrible.
0: Middle initial. Well, my
1: mom's kind of quirky. So if you want to just attribute the K to quirkiness anyway, that's fine. She Mm. wouldn't mind. You know.
0: Yeah, I just thought you were jazzing up your social media handles or, you know. Oh, yeah, uh, because
1: my name needs to be more confusing.
0: Yeah, yeah, let's work on that. <laughs> um, well, it's it seems a little redundant to ask you what your uh, funniest moment on the council so far has been, given that we're laughing up uh, just standard uh, back and forth. But do you got one for me? I do you have don't. One?
1: Oh, um, you know, Alyssa and I like to make jokes on the dais about how people confuse the two of us. Mm-hmm. And... We joke that it's, be, you know, we can say this, but it's because all all the Jewish people look alike, right? We of course don't think we look alike, but you know, we're both young white Jewish women sitting on the council that came in at the same time, so sometimes we get confused. Mm-hmm. So a couple legislative sessions ago, we uh, I asked to be recognized, and uh, the chairman called on Alyssa instead,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and she said. Mr. Chairman, it was Brianne that has to be recognized, but it's okay, we know, we we all look alike, and then, you know,
0: laughter ensued. Yes, it's one of those classic jokes that only members of the in-group are allowed to tell. Indeed. That's Indeed. Uh, one of the, the, the rare But benef- we
1: enjoy it.
0: Right, the benefits of being in a, the, the rare benefit sometimes of being a minority group is the ability to, to self-tease and knowing that if anyone else were to try it. Uh, right, right. Right, you, you could rain your uh, rain your wrath down on them.
1: Exactly, and, and I think neither of us are particularly wrathful, but we do enjoy a good joke.
0: Of course, so. of course. I, I didn't know if there was sort of an Old Testament wrathfulness. You
1: mm, know? I mean, you know, ten plagues are something that I like to reference from time to time, but I don't usually have to invoke them.
0: Right. Are, are there plague? Are there ongoing plagues in DC? Of mm. the, the minor variety. I
1: think potholes.
0: Potholes. Yeah, I was very grateful last night. Um, I was uh, visiting my mom. Family Feud was on, and the question was: These cities are most associated with rats. And I like held my breath, thinking, "Oh God, don't let it be D.C. Don't let it be D.C." And thankfully, it wasn't. Oh, thank God! There only was the top five. We might have been number six, but
1: thank God. Well, it's it's like comforting and also discomforting at the same time to know we're not alone.
0: Right. But yeah, yeah, vermin
1: was, were of the ten plagues. Yeah. So I put that up there. Um,
0: yeah, that's that's uh, that's one, to, and the potholes seem to be heading in the right direction.
1: Yes. Well, and it's warm now, so we can fill them. Thank God. It's a really long winter when you can't fill potholes.
0: Right. And also with the rain, we've been having an unfilled pothole becomes like a West Nile virus uh, oh, yeah. zoo. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so that's, do we have that again? Um. I hope not. I hope not, I, too. I just heard That's it was not... going to be a bumper crop year for ticks. I don't remember if Ugh. mosquitoes were in that.
1: Yeah,
0: I'm sure. Um, but this is, uh,
1: this is gross. How did we get here?
0: Uh, I don't I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but hey, it's it's too late now.
1: Hearing the council.
0: Um, so you said you weren't wrathful, but is there anything, you know, you you said you were you were disappointed by that vote not going your way. Is there anything that has made you downright angry? <sighs>
1: You know, I can't think of anything. And let me say this. I worked in the community for a long time before I became a council member. And one of the things that I learned was you may not agree with somebody all the time. You may not agree with them most of the time. But if you can be respectful of one another, then you can always work together. And so the way that I do my work on the council is... To say that I basically hit the reset button every day because I know that I may be with you on one vote and you know opposing you on on a different one, but then on the next day we may be together again. And so when I first started, I used to write thank you notes to everybody who voted with me on on one of my bills, and even a note to somebody who voted against my bill, just to say I hope we'll be together next time. Um, and uh, I haven't had time to write those in a while, but. I think it made a difference in terms of having strong relationships with my colleagues.
0: Yeah, is there, uh, we're sort of jumping jumping ahead in my list of questions, but we're gonna let it go this time. Okay. Um, it, are there can any... I
1: Can I admit that I didn't really look at your list of questions and then get more credit for answering them?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and, and also something else I'd said before the interview was that there is a right to a pass, that if I ask a question and you got nothing, you can just say you got nothing and we'll move on. <laughs> it's understood. Um, but talk a bit about working with your colleagues. Are there any colleagues that, um, and I realize there's risk in asking this question, that, that particularly resonated with you, that you found yourself getting along with, that you've unexpectedly found yourself getting along with, that you've picked up a trait or a habit in and felt, uh, wow, that's kind of worthwhile or interesting?
1: You know, um I actually feel like I've been able to find something fun and interesting about each colleague, even when it's been surprising. Um, And so, let's see, I had a natural relationship with Charles and Alyssa because we got elected at the same time, came in together, and really sort of have grown into this role together. Um, And I saw David and Kenyon as two people who had sort of done the same thing um, ahead of us. Um, And so we had sort of a little cohort for... For a while, but the longer that I'm on the council, the more um, the more I develop deeper relationships with other colleagues as well. Uh, whether it's you know seating assignments or committee assignments, um, I've just really enjoyed getting to know people as humans and not just the issues that they work on. So that's been fun.
0: Is it really? Is it like school where there's kind of there's the cool kids, there's the rebels, there's the people you know you get along with, there's the people <laughs> you like to kind of give a hard time. Um, or like we say, it's like your workplace except with the dais. Like, do you, do you see similar kind of relationships playing out as have in other places you've been?
1: I think of it as like the magnet school. Let me explain that. Mm-hmm. There are no cool kids on the D.C. Council. <laughs> we're all nerds.
0: Yeah, I guess, I guess that's <laughs> true.
1: So we each have our own little type of nerdiness. And I guess sometimes that's based on what we're most passionate about or what committee we chair. Um, but... But I see that. And you know what's nice is that to the extent that we all mostly agree, right? I mean, I think we are so often voting unanimously. It's always nice to be able to support another colleague on an issue that they've championed for a very long time. Um, I guess come back to your question about victories. Um, For me, I've been working the past three or four years three years on um, the Street Harassment Prevention Act in some form. First we have the round table and then we had um, uh, one bill introduced and now we have another bill that is actually now in the Budget Support Act. It's going to be law in in a week. And it, it all happened, it feels like, I mean we worked for so long and then it feels like it all happened so fast. And I, feel like that is so much of a shared victory with my colleagues because of how many of them played a role in it. You know, Kenny and Anita hosted the first roundtable, um, passed the ball off to Charles, who's chair of the Judiciary Committee. And then, um, you know, Chairman Phil Mendelssohn is, is putting the final touches on it um, because it's going to be in the Budget Support Act. And it, it, it actually feels like kind of a big warm council hug for me and um and that's kind of neat and i've seen that for other colleagues who've worked hard for a long time on a bill um and it just it feels really good to be a part of a moment like that so
0: and do you do you find that the the no permanent friends or enemies uh rule of life uh seems to play out on the council I, i'm always kind of impressed seeing the quick it, it seems a little bit more like the congress of of old where people would battle mm-hmm. you know people would battle intently but at the end of the day they would go out and have a drink or you know it would, would mm-hmm. be able to clear their mind and return and they'd be an ally with that person on the next bill yeah it doesn't seem like the current congress where there's kind of permanent enemies and firewalls
1: no and i i, I might suggest that the old council was a little bit more like the current congress in that way correct <laughs> so um i'm proud that that we seem to, to have been able to put that in the past i i think it's better for the people of the district of columbia when their um their elected leaders act like adults and respect one another you know at the end of the day in these jobs we um we're representing others right. and so for me it's really important that i do that in a way that um you know is uh upstanding
0: really so uh, do you have, you spoke kind of of the Council of Old. Do you have any sort of uh, earlier council um, role models? Anyone you look to uh, not currently on the council that, that uh, someone that you, uh, either from legislation they passed or personality traits or...
1: So I don't have any role models, but I will tell you that I always used to watch Marion and the way he would lead the discussion down a path and he would get folks all fired up and then he would sort of like pull the cord and then all of a sudden people would realize they'd gotten all turned around and Marion was about to get his way again. And I I don't know how he did that every time, but you could, I mean, watching on TV, you could see it coming a mile away, but he just had this way of just getting everybody all fired up and then boom, he did it again. And I just, I mean, I'm going to say I admired that. I admired it.
0: Absolutely. absolutely. No, it's it's a rhetorical uh, setting and triggering rhetorical trap is, uh, yeah, is definitely just, he a was, skill.
1: He was tremendous. I mean, you know, I think uh, he was a giant. And now we have a statue, so.
0: Yeah. Right. The, yeah, the statue is great. We
1: can we can remember him every morning,
0: which Absol- is good. He waves at me every morning. Every morning. <laughs> um, now, let's talk uh, quickly about... Uh, uh, council process What what what's something that surprised you about how the council works? I know you, you used to be an A&C commissioner, you probably were fairly familiar with the operations of the council but what kind of sneaky process thing is, is, is have you found yourself appreciating or found yourself hating? Uh,
1: That's interesting. So you know I used to as an A&C sleep with like Robert's Rules under my pillow basically and we don't use Robert's Rules. We have another code that is like I'm holding up my hands to indicate how thick they are, but it's like a stack of Bibles essentially, so that one I can't fit under my pillow. But um, learning the council rules is not that hard. You just, in my mind, you need to be prepared for whatever it is you think is gonna happen that day and then learn how to do that thing, right? The thing that surprised me was, um, as a ward council member, a very large part of my job is constituent services. And as an acknowledgement of that, each office is allowed to have staff designated for constituent services. But no other government funds are meant to be expended for constituent services. So we're in a conundrum because we're expected to provide the services but we don't necessarily have the resources to do everything we need to do. And that is how the constituent services funds first came about. Um, Now as somebody who has Uh, Committed to not having one of those, um, that becomes complicated, right? So my sense getting on the council when I was leading up to it was that the public had really had enough because these had in many ways turned into slush funds that while had always been intended for the service of others, were being used for things like sports tickets, et cetera, et cetera. And that just made people mad. Um, So I vowed to serve my constituents Without that fund, but it's really hard. You have to be incredibly resourceful.
0: Um, give, give me an example, because I'm not, you know, to me, constituent services is there's a pothole in front of my house. I realize right. it can be much more severe. Sure. But you call the agency. Where where's the need for money come in?
1: So there's a couple places. Um, so for the actual service, for example, somebody's having a hard time with something and they need uh, monetary assistance. Right? So for a long time, people would just write checks to their constituents, which to me feels kind of slimy. I mean, it's it's right intention, but not to, in my mind, a government function. And so that's one of the reasons that we've had, we have collaboratives that, that provide services, but it's also why we have things like the burial assistance fund in my committee that I've increased funding for every year, or the emergency rental assistance program that I have increased funding for, um, those things. Then the other side is, Um, how you present yourself to the world, right? So I had to actually work to convince um, the uh, administrative side of the council that we should be able to have printed materials that say who we are in the community, whether it's a banner or a tablecloth. Because before that, those things, you know, you either pay for out of your constituent services fund that you raised money for from all the people that nobody wants us to be raising money from um, or you pay for it yourself. So because I didn't have a fund, I was essentially just paying for things that the office needed when to me it seemed like these were functions of our office. We should be able to pay for them. So it's interesting. So there are some of us who are trying to get rid of the constituent services fund altogether because we really believe that if we're meant to provide constituent services, then the everything that are, that isn't a government function should be covered by all the budget that we have. So, I'm still working on that. I think, you know, people want to be helped when they need help, and I've been able to do that even without a fund, and I'm proud of that. Um, And then beyond that, I just worry that these become slush funds that are too hard to oversee, and I worry about that. Even when people are careful, things tend to go wrong with these funds, so... Yeah, that's, that's a big thing. It was surprising to me. So we're expected to do constituent services, but our day-to-day budget isn't allowed to cover the things that go with it,
0: so. Gotcha, um, well now with essentially zero transition because we're basically out of time. Oh my gosh. Um, we're gonna kick to some closeout questions. One is, this, this is uh, in journalism what we call a follow-up question. This is like pushing back on something no. from the first round, which is another first. In our traditional closeout question where we had you rank dessert categories, uh, you said um, cake, I think, was last because you said, quote, cake was last, quote, only because cake can sometimes be really screwed up. <laughs> and ever since that day, I've been wondering what happened to you? What, <laughs> what, what cake thing possibly could have happened? Okay. So how, how does cake get screwed let's up? Let's
1: talk about this. So my favorite kind of cake comes out of a box. Like the Duncan Hines mix that you just add eggs and water to. And I find that to be delicious. And then sometimes you go to a place with a fancy cake and it's just got too much going on. Either it's like they made too much of it so it's dry or the frosting's a little too rich. Or there's like weird fruity stuff on it. And wedding cakes can be the worst. I mean, you spend all this time picking out your wedding cake and all this money on it. And then they're never what you think they're going to be. We didn't have one. We had cupcakes which I guess goes to my earlier point but yeah my sister's wedding cake was horrible we actually had to get our money back on that cake
0: I I, I sat through innumerable uh, wedding planning meetings and all I said is there are three flavors of cake in our cake I want one slice of cake of each flavor cake left at my seat so between dances I can grab and someone cleared the cake See? So you see, that was the cake wasn't the problem, the cake protocols. Okay, but
1: like it all comes back to cake, I'm just saying.
0: Yes, definitely. Um, So I I haven't quite come up with the the new final question, but I'm going to run it by you very quickly. Guinea pig! And you have to answer very quickly. Okay, oh jeez. So name, do at least one of, or just one of any of these. Do an impression, tell a joke, tell us about a strange thing you collect, describe a ludicrous thing you can't live without, or an odd job you've had any one of those, and you have 60 seconds.
1: Oh my God. I'm gonna tell a joke. Okay. Okay, you ready? Yeah. How do you make a tissue dance?
0: Uh, oh, put a little boogie in it. Yes! Boom!
1: For the win! My
0: encyclopedic knowledge of children's jokes.
1: Joshua Gibson for the win!
0: There you go. Well, um, on that uh, unpredictable note, uh, <laughs> Thank you again for your, your courage and patience in joining us as our inaugural round two interviewee. Uh, listeners, please, despite everything that just happened, tune in again next time. Um, we're at DC Radio at 96.3 on your HD4 dial or at dcradio.gov. I'm Josh Gibson. This is not a council hearing. It's this is Hearing, hearing the, the council. council. Thank you. Thanks again, council member. Take care.